Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. U.S. equities trading mixed right now. We have got the S&P down a point at 2471. Little change there ahead of uh, tomorrow's two-day Fed meeting. Dow Industrials down 42, a drop there of two-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ up 18, a gain there of three-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ now at 64.05. Tenure down five thirty seconds with the yield of 2.26%. Gold little change down 30 cents the ounce to 12.54. And crude oil, West Texas Intermediate up 1.4%, up 63 cents a barrel to $46.40. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Charlie Pellet, well, it is 11.48 here on the West Coast. It's 2.48 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. In 1976, fewer than half of adult New York City residents had jobs. Among the states, only West Virginia had a lower employment-to-population ratio and labor force participation rate. New York City remained a jobs laggard until the mid-1990s. Since then, even while labor force participation has lagged in the country as a whole, it has been rising in its biggest city. Now, according to new data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the city's employment and labor force participation rates have almost caught up with the national average. New York's subway struggles and growing homelessness problem have been making headlines lately. These are the flip sides of its big employment success. In the 1970s, a declining, shrinking New York had too few jobs, but more than enough housing and infrastructure. Now it has different things to worry about. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. For more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com or View Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard every weekday at this time, but also at 5.40, 8.40, and 11.48, all Wall Street time. Well, Fed certainly in focus this week as another decision on rates is expected. We want to talk uh, more broadly about the fixed income market and what he's seeing. He's also taking a look at uh, different aspects of the economy, including housing. Brad Friedlander is uh, back with us, head portfolio manager at Angel Oak Capital Advisors, manager of the Angel Oak Multi-Strategy Income Fund. That's a multi-sector bond fund. It's beating most of its peers over the past year, returning 8%. And the firm, by the way, $6.1 billion in assets under management. Brad, Joining us on the phone in Atlanta. Welcome back. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, hey, Corey. What's on your mind, especially with uh, another Fed meeting? No press conference, but nonetheless, we will hear from the Fed this week. Sure. I think it's it's going to be relatively quiet. Uh, certainly, they're setting the table for uh, some balance sheet normalization, the unwinding of the enormous balance sheet that the Fed has amassed over the last several years. Uh, so they're setting the table for that unwind a little bit later in the summer. And then certainly the possibility of, of, of some movement again in December. Uh, well, interesting too, but as it relates to housing here, what, what do we see going on in the housing market? Um, uh, it's, it's a curious time uh, for housing. Yeah, sure it is. It's, um, 
you know, it's in many, in many respects keying off of, of what we're seeing uh, in the interest rate environments. Rates are still extraordinarily low. Uh, I'm still seeing a lot of pricing support uh, as far as housing is concerned and a lot of upside even with that uh, simply because of the extraordinarily low supply uh, that we're seeing right now. Uh, the, the number of existing homes for sale is near an all-time low. Uh, and really, America is still underbuilt. Uh, it's a good 20% or so below long-run averages that we look at. So uh, a lot of runway still here to go. It's, it may be frustrating uh, how slow the economy is growing, but still at the same time, we're seeing strength in particular in the housing market. What are the most important economic metrics that you follow in order to determine your portfolio strategy? Sure. I mean, I think as far as the health of the consumer and the health of the homeowner and borrower out there, certainly jobs is really the number one focus, employment, and what wage gains look like. Wage growth has been a little bit soft, softer than most had hoped. But if we look at some other measures like tax receipts, we've seen some improvement year over year. Uh, and certainly uh, the jobs numbers are still good enough to continue to drive this economy forward. So we're, we're not seeing anything to be concerned of as far as the, the consumer is concerned, and in particular the home buyer. Those are really the best credits out there. Uh, but, you know, we're also looking at things like small business confidence uh, and some of the real uh, politically focused uh, movements that we're seeing as far as tax reform, uh, that's going to have uh, really a, a kind of an intangible impact, I think, on all parts of the economy. Or it sounds like you're saying it's going to have an, a tangible impact, in fact. Um, and, and, well, yeah, although maybe not. I mean, if we don't get tax reform, will that have a tangible impact? Yeah, I think this, I really see this going in, in two directions. You know, over the next six months or so, uh, we can continue to grind as we have been uh, over the last 10 years. Uh, it's going to be sluggish. It's going to be two to three type percent growth, which would be a little bit a little bit higher than we were uh, than we've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, so we and that's simply coming off of the jobs improvement that we're seeing. Or if we don't have uh, if we don't see some dramatic compromise and see some uh, uh, some at least some movement there from a um, tax reform standpoint. That has the potential to move growth considerably higher. If it doesn't happen, then it's probably more of the status quo and the high talk of four to five percent type GDP growth uh, from from the administration uh, would be extraordinarily difficult to have happen. So, I think you need to be prepared for both. Uh, it's looking like we'll edge higher as far as GDP is concerned, but it's not going to be extraordinary. Um, is it easier or getting easier to manage your fund? I think it's in, in many respects uh, the credits are taking care of themselves, and we, we like and, and, and the way that the individual homeowners have continued to uh, delever in many senses. These are borrowers uh, that we look at as far as the non-agency mortgage sector. Uh, it's really these are borrowers that have uh, increased the amount of home equity. Uh, the credits are improving probably better than any other sector we're seeing out there globally, if you're including sovereign debt and municipal credit, corporate credit. Uh, so I think it's the American homeowner uh, that is doing quite well. So the risk has come down. I think what becomes harder is still managing towards income. I think that's what many investors, both individual and institutional, are still having a tough time focusing on just in this interim period before rates are 
2% or 3% higher than they are today, uh, what do we do about income? And I think right now what we're using as a solution is the non-agency MBS sector. Uh, I think it's a wonderful uh, input in as, far as, as far as the sector is improving from a credit standpoint, and, and it's offering income in the mid-high single digits right now, so it's still very attractive in our opinion and is, is tied in and is really well insulated in the event we don't see, for instance, tax reform work through uh, the system and we continue to grind along as we have. Uh, it's a bit more insulated than some, some of the other more credit-sensitive markets like, like high yield, for instance. What does it mean for the kinds of houses being sold? Well, we're seeing dramatic changes there over the last several years, and, and we have yet to even see, I think, the, the, the full steam um, really coming from first-time home buyers, millennials. Uh, you're seeing uh, real, real coming, really coming in droves as far as the percentage and, and their impact on the market. Uh, first-time home buyers are marching towards half, being nearly half of all home buyers, uh, millennials, um, and, um, and it's something that we're going to see more and more of. Um, you know, under the age of 36 right now, um, it's really the largest share of all home buyers out there right now are under 36 years of age. So you're seeing shifts, just as you were speaking about in the retail and uh, retail frame frame set. You're seeing the same thing as far as housing is concerned uh, and some real taste changes being made. Uh, and, and really, millennials are just beginning to show their input. And once, once we were so concerned about student debt and so concerned about uh, millennials participating in the housing market, that's actually changed. Uh, interesting stuff. We'll see if those, those numbers hold up because uh, it has been a big trend uh, in housing the last few years. Great stuff. Uh, Brad Friedlander, uh, Portfolio Manager at Angel Oak Capital. You listen to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> 